Goodness, goodness, goodness. I knew I was going to cry. Tom started it off this morning, and my dentist of 30 years, Carl, is here. Uh, Balancioni is his first time being here, and I was crying like a baby over there, and I knew Tim was going to do that, so I'm going to hold it together for a minute. <sighs> hold it together for a minute. Who's got a dollar? I got a bet. I'm actually surprised that anybody showed up, because you guys have heard me speak over and over. Some of you guys, the first time. Who's first-timer here? Thank you guys for coming to this. This is your first time. So my jokes, please laugh, and everybody else will follow along. <laughs> you know, I made a mistake a couple of months ago by letting my daughters know what the topic is today, um, which is this, discipline. And I'm probably the most undisciplined man in this room. Reality. Reality, seriously. So I, uh, I take a Snapchat of me in Winter Park going close to the Krispy Kreme. And so I'm snapping this as I'm driving for my daughters, and I'm like, girls, I can't help it. I can't help it. Ah, I'm pulling in. The hot sign is on. <laughs> and so I send this video to the girls. And so then I'm at the window, and I'm ordering the donuts. And I don't just get one dozen. I get two. And so I'm videoing the guy as he's giving me the donuts. I'm like, look, girls, I'm getting two dozen, and I'm not going to have any by the time I get home for you. So I put them in there. And so at home, I decided to give one to the office, all right? So that one's kind of safe for me. And then I brought one home. And um, when I got to about the sixth donut eating it, Brooke goes, Daddy, aren't you talking about discipline this month? <laughs> I said, that's for other people. That's not for me. And the reality is, is actually in uh, 2014 years ago, Whatever that is, 14 years ago, 2007, 2008. Brooke is 10, Bree is 7. Carolyn and I are married, you know, half the length of time that we're married now, which is 30 years. And I looked at the men around me, several of which are in this room, and I admired so many attributes of these men. And I didn't have these character qualities. But I knew that if I hung out with them long enough, that something would rub off on me. Kind of like iron sharpens iron. And Tim is one of those guys that just introduced me. I saw how his two boys and his daughter turned out, and I'm like, one day, I want my kids to turn out that way. I remember going through the Starbucks, and Jessica would be there, his daughter. And I'm, she was always, like, you could hear her voice just smiling through the intercom. And then when you get to there and you see Jessica, and she's like, hey, Mr. Hill. And I'm like, she's like, you're here to get the same thing. And I said, yes, I'm here to get the pound cake. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> the latte with extra sugar. And then I would see Tim's boys. They would come over to our house. And when Ron would use my pastor at the crossings, we would have these big baptisms in our backyards. We'd always want to clean up the backyard before everybody would come to the lake so the lake looked nice. First boys to call were the Baker boys, because they were some of the hardest working boys that I've ever seen in this generation. So when we started Ironman, it was me and Tim and Bob and Ray Holden, and it was Ryan's dad. It was just the three of us. And it was selfishly because I knew that I wanted to be a great dad. So I wanted to hang out with Tim. I wanted to hang out with Bob, because I saw how his kids were turning out. 
I wanted to hang out with Ray, because every time I would talk to your dad, Ryan, and you guys have heard me tell this story before, he would be telling me about how, he, how much he loves Jackie. And I'm like, dude, I want to love my wife that way. So I invited Ray to do life with me. So I was hopeful that that would rub off on me. I'd see how this man would love his wife, and I'm like, I want to love my wife that same way. Ray would say, hey, guess where I'm sweeping Jackie away to this weekend? Guess where I'm taking her this weekend? Guess what I'm doing? And I'm like, dang, I need to do more of that with Carolyn. And then I would see things like what Tim would do for Stephanie. It's hard to keep up with some of these guys. They set the bar so high. What Bob would do for Jody. I mean, and some of these other guys that are in the room, there's different areas of my life that I looked at and I said, this is a weak spot. This is a weak spot. So when Ironman started, it was really with a rifle. It was literally with a rifle, not a shotgun. Had no vision to grow anything. But as one selfish guy that literally wanted to become a better husband, father, business leader in our community. I wanted to become a better articulator of our faith in the missions fields that I serve, which is my family first, my workplace second. And so I hunted. You guys know that. We would let Ironman sit for probably six months before we would invite another guy into the group. Right now, to this day, there's a group of us that have been meeting since that day, 14 years ago. There's 17 of us that are in this group. We call ourselves Ironman Underground. We don't meet every week, but we meet once a month, thanks to Tim. Because when we started the coffee, we unbound once a month to do the coffee. When we started the Connect, we unbound every single Friday to do this. One day, one of the guys comes, I think it was uh, Tim. He said, the guys miss meeting together. He says, so I'm going to go ahead and start something at Scott Sprague's house, and I'll do all the lifting. So Tim actually leads the Ironman Underground. And there's 17 of us, which are the core guys, many of which are in this room. You know who you are. There's a special handshake. <laughs> Jesse's looking to go, does anybody teach me the shake? <laughs> Sorry, Jesse, I'll teach you afterwards. Anyways, I, I literally, I feel like I'm not the most disciplined man. Um, I, like Paul, struggle with the things that I know that I should do, I don't do. And the things that I do, I wish that I hadn't. Anybody feel me on that? So I'm, I feel as though that I am literally the most undisciplined man in this room. And I need Jesus in my life, first and foremost, as my ultimate true north. Once I understand where my ultimate true north is, then I need to specifically identify men around me to push me back towards true north every once in a while when I begin to drift even one degree. So the last couple of months, I've been building a PowerPoint. <laughs> and uh, I feel like not even showing it to you guys, but I put so much time into it, I need to. Um, Keith, I'm so glad you're here this morning, bro. Awesome that you're here. Saw you slip in the back. First time, don't forget the first time gift that you come. I met this man at an open house, and uh, I'm so glad that you came this morning, bro. Awesome. All right, so we're talking about discipline. Interesting about this word is that it actually comes from the root word discipulus. Say that five times fast and see what you come up with. Um, 
and I am going to step back here because I want to make sure that I cover every element. Discipline. It's one word with lots of potential meanings. When I said the word discipline, many of your minds went somewhere. My mind, when I first thought of the topic, went to the spankings that I received, many, from my father when I was younger. That was a form of discipline. Is it punishment? Is it obedience? Is it rules? Is it enforcement? Is it always doing the same thing? Is it always doing the right thing? Is it consistency? Is it doing what you're told? Is it rigid? Do you even get a choice? Do you just comply? To understand what discipline really is and what it really means, let's look at the origin of the word to find its true intent. The foundation of disciple, you remember when Jesus left this planet, he told us, go and do what? Make disciples. disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Discipulus is where that word comes from. Both discipleship and discipline have a cost. And Jesus never hid the cost, especially what he told his disciples. And this is how Jesus said it. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his own life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for the sake will find it. Paul also never hid the cost of discipleship. When Paul says it in Galatians, and there's lots of verses, I could have picked out one of my favorites is Romans chapter 8. If you want to get fired up today, read Romans chapter 8. It is awesome. But I didn't want to read the whole thing to you this morning, so I'm telling you to read it, please. But in Galatians, he says this, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I'm a man. I have passions. I have desires. But... I want to choose discipline over regret. And I'm going to talk about that. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So today, we're going to define discipline this way. Discipline is choosing what you want most over what you want now. Yesterday, I was driving to work and this beautiful Ferrari. I mean, just the sound of a Ferrari just kind of turns our head, doesn't it? He he rode up next to my F-150, and I took a picture of it, and I sent it to my partner, my business partner, and I'm like, I want, I want, I want. (laughs) Anyways, choosing what you want most over what you want now. You will never see me probably owning a Ferrari, by the way, Andy. I know you're thinking about it. (laughs) Yeah, right. Lambo. Lambo, yeah. Choosing what you want most over what you want now. What discipline is not? Discipline is not something others do to you. It is something that you do for yourself. You can receive instruction or guidance from one or from many sources, but the source of discipline is not external. It's internal. Discipline is a choice. It's your choice. It's a decision. Better yet, it's all of your decisions. Don Cousins said it best last month. Your life will be the total sum of all of your decisions. Like the choices that you make today. 
Your life will be the total sum of all of the decisions that you make. Hold on, don't pass those out yet, guys. Sorry about that. That is premature, don't yet, not yet, hold on. Discipline is a choice, it's your choice. When you look at discipline, discipline actually means freedom. Let me use a common example of this. I wanna get up at 5.30, work out and have some quiet time, some God and me time. I have a family that normally wakes up around seven and then enjoys saying, hello, daddy, hello, David. So I need to get my workout and my quiet time done before everyone wakes up, hence the 5.30 alarm. My alarm goes off, I choose discipline. I get up, I go work out. Recently, I've been working out with this beast over here, Dave Ogden. He is a beast. And he has pushed me in a big way to be able to get in shape, and in many other ways. But my mind is clear, I'm focused on my next priorities, knowing that my workout, my quiet time with God, my me time with God is done, and I don't have to try to find the time to make it up later. I'm in control of me and my day. But let's say that I don't choose discipline. My alarm goes off, I choose to sleep in, I wake up late, quickly I say hello to my wife and my daughters, and I leave to work to sit in traffic, and it has become a nightmare the last few years. It used to take me a half hour to get to work downtown Orlando, now it's like an hour and a half. After this poor choice, I may be a little bit disappointed in myself because I should have gotten up earlier, worked out, and had some quiet time with God. My mind is now searching for when can I make it up? Tonight, not too busy, too late, too tired. Tomorrow, next day, oh, next week, I'll do better. I'm not in control of me, my day, my week, my month, my year, my life. And I look back at some of the pictures, and my daughters tell me that I look better today than I did 15 years ago. And it's because my body has ebbed and flowed <laughs> over the years with stress and not exercising, not eating properly. Today, I'm actually in a fairly decent space because of working out with Dave at our gym, Optimal Body Fitness, the head of the gyms right here in the beginning. You're gonna learn at the end of today, I'm gonna give you guys some opportunities for some exit ramps. And this is one of those exit ramps. If I do this day after day, not choosing discipline, my discipline fades further and further and further away. I begin to make impulsive choices versus intentional good and disciplined choices. As a result of these impulsive and natural choices, they lead me to making bad eating decisions and potentially bad personal decisions, and with each one, I surely justify every one of them. I justify them to the nth degree. I'll eat this sixth donut because I'm going to, which I don't. With good intention by saying one day I will change, just not today. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. So, by not choosing discipline, you will ultimately be leading you to a path of bondage, not freedom. And sometimes it's bondage in really bad categories of life. I'm gonna watch this this one time because my needs have not been being met and so I can justify this this one time. 
then a second time, and then a third time, and then a fourth, and then a fifth, and then two years go later, you're in bondage. You know what I'm talking about? I'm just going to take this drink this one time, even though I struggle with this, just, just this one time. Another time, another time, and then all of a sudden, you're in bondage. Discipline is freedom. Choosing not to be disciplined takes you down the path towards bondage. And that's not the path that we, as a group of men, want any of us to experience. I, personally, would like to choose discipline over regret. Can't say that I'm perfect, boys, but I would rather choose discipline than deal with regret. I don't want to be one of the dads that says, I wish that I would have spent more time with my daughter so I'd have a relationship. I don't want to be one of those going, dang it, I wish I wouldn't have done this, this, and this, and now Carolyn and I are in a place where we aren't going to survive this. And I know some of you guys have been divorced, and I know some of you guys are estranged from your children. And I'm going to come back to that because there is redemption. And you're still here, so it's not too late. I want to choose positive results over regrets. The end game. At the end of the day, this is what it's all about. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells this story about three servants. One he gives five, the other he gives two, and the other he gives one. And he's giving them money. He's saying, all right, here's five for you. Here's two for you. Here's one for you. I'm going to be gone for a little while. When I come back, I'm going to see you guys. Well, the one he gave five, what did he do with it? He invested it. He doubled the money. Ended up giving back the master ten. The one that he gave two, what did he do? He doubled it. Gave him back four. But the one that he had given one, he said to the master, I know you're a ruthless guy, and I was scared. So I literally just dug it in the ground and stuck it there. Here's your one talent back. What did that master say to that man? He didn't say what he said to the first two. The first two, what he said was, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. And he gave them a reward. But for the one that just hit it, even though he didn't even put it on deposit at the bank, he told him he was worthless almost. And he cast him out into utter darkness. It's a scary passage when you read Matthew chapter 25. It's got deep theological implications to it. I want to be at least the first two guys. I want to hear the master say, well done. So if I recognize that Jesus is ultimately my true north, and at the end when I die, if in order for me or any of us to hear the master say, well done, we have to have a true north. Because if you don't have a true north, you're going to drift. And these are the categories that are really important to me. I know there's other categories of life, but faith and family and friends and finance. You know that Jesus talks about money three times more than he talks about love in the Bible. Because he knew what would create bondage for us. 
There's a lot of verses, and I happen to be in the middle of money management. And I see some of the best and some of the worst about people around money. So finances is important. But let's talk about this element of uh, recalibration. I remember when I was in the Army, we did this land navigation. And it was at night. And I had a compass, and we had to get to another destination a couple of miles away. And I would look for where True North was and then look for where this map was telling me to go, and then I would set my compass that way. It was easy in the beginning because I could actually shoot and see the door, and the way that they taught you is see the door, get to the door. Once you're at the door, then shoot a new line. So I'd get to the door, I'd shoot a new line. But once it started getting really dark and you're in the middle of the forest, it's hard to see another line further than maybe five feet in front of you. So then you start dodging the trees and that. And then if it started to rain or to snow or to sleet, which I did this mostly in Virginia, and it get really cold, then you start worrying about all the other elements. <laughs> and these elements can really get you off track. The trees can get you off track. The elements can get you off track. The darkness that's coming over can get you off track. And it's very similar to what happens in life. Recognizing where true north is, I know that Jesus is my true north, the word of God is my true north, but through life, there's all kinds of circumstances that can cause a drift. You know what I'm talking about? So it's important to recalibrate, not just the compass, but also the direction that you're traveling with other people around you. So when I talk about that, I'm talking about this drift. If I wanted to go 100 yards, this is to my point, and I drifted one degree, I'm only going to be off by about five feet. It's not a big deal. If I go a mile and I'm one degree off and I haven't recalibrated, I haven't had anybody say, hey, hey, you're supposed to be over there. Or I haven't looked at my compass in a while, or my compass is kind of, I dropped it and the calibration is off and I haven't recalibrated, I'm going to be off by 92 feet. Not a big deal. But let's say if I was to go to the moon and I was going to be off by one degree, I'd be off by 4,200 miles. If I was going to go to the sun, I'd be off by 1.6 million miles just with a small, little, tiny one degree shift. That's justified. And life is like this. Let's say that my marriage is like going to the sun. It's a long distance. I want to be married for 50 years. That's the goal. I want to be able to hit that target. 60 years. God gives me that number of years. Life expectancy for me and my family is probably around 75. But let's say, Carolyn, I want to be married 50 years before I pass away. That's like going to the sun. If I don't stay true to the true north, and I just make a justified one-degree shift for my career, whatever it, my needs, whatever it might be, I might find myself at around the 40-year mark or the 30-year mark so far away from her that she doesn't recognize me, and I don't recognize her, and I don't even want to be with her anymore. She doesn't want to be with me anymore. 14 years ago, that was half my marriage before we started Ironman. 14 years ago. Carol and I just celebrated 30, and she still loves me. <laughs> Dave posted something about today. 
and I looked at the likes. And my wife was one of the ones that liked the fact that Dave posted about me speaking today on discipline. That meant so much to me that Carolyn actually liked what Dave posted. Did you notice it? I did. Little tiny things like that. This morning, she woke up at around 1, because I was kind of restless. And she said, are you restless? You ready? I said, I'm ready. (laughs) That means the world to me that my wife is thinking about it at 1 a.m. in the morning about what I'm going to be talking about. One degree shift, and if your shift is even greater than one degree, it's, it could be devastating related to the impact. Drifting will not end well, gentlemen. Drifting will lead to discouragement, which can then lead to despair, which then leads to depression, which can lead to devastation. All the while taking you down this very, very dark road. This is where the enemy wants you. And he's had you justify every element, every step of that one-degree shift. He wants you discouraged. This is another reason why you need a band of brothers, brothers who can sense this directional drift in your life. I say it myself when I talk to guys. I'm like, hey, thank you so much for saying such kind things, but don't lift me up too high because it's the further I have to fall. I need brothers that will come up to me and say, hey, What you just said just a second ago, I'm not sure if I agree with that. Hey, I saw how you treated your bride. Fortunately, you guys haven't had to do that on that, this one. And I don't think that you're you're loving her very well. I need brothers like that in my life. I need that. All of us do. And this was the heart behind why we started this thing called Ironman, is to provide an opportunity for men to be able to do life with other guys to sharpen each other. I do know that ultimately the answer is Jesus. He is the true north. I do know that I need a band of brothers along the journey towards true north to keep me focused. Paul struggled with it. Why should I think I wouldn't struggle with it? This is what Paul says in Romans. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate to do. And if I do... What I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. That is, it's no longer in myself who does it or do it, but the sin that's living in me. For I know that the good in in itself, this is like a really fast thing to say, you know. For I know that the good itself does not dwell in me, that is, it's in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do, I want to do. This is, this is Paul. He's struggling with this. And this is the guy that wrote, you know, 60, 70% of the New Testament. If Paul struggles with it, I'm going to struggle with it. You're going to struggle with it. So what's the solution? Well, what Paul says is, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God, who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So even if you are estranged from your children, it's not too late to build that bridge again, to humble yourself. Even if you've gone through a divorce or are on the brink of a divorce, it's not too late 
to salvage that marriage. It's not too late to go back to the ex and say, oh, oh, love you in Jesus' name. <laughs> Jesus is the true north. Jesus is ultimately the true north. And now, what I'm about to do, now you can pass those out. Here's the question that I want you guys to answer today. Now, you're not going to turn this in. You can cover your page like this. Now's the time to pass those out. You can cover your sheet like this so nobody has to see it. There's a couple of pens on the table, all right? So there's an exercise that I would like for you guys to do. This moment could be life-changing for some of you guys in this room in a big way. Don't underestimate this exercise. This could be life-changing for you in this moment today. The two questions are, again, this is not going to be turned in. You can just write it, cover it up. You're going to take this home. This is anything that you pass around. But here are the two questions. What do you want most? What do you want most? I'm going to give you some things that I think about in this category. Remember, Jesus is the true north. But along this path to true north, there's some categories of my life that I want to hit the target on by the time I finish well and hopefully hear the master say, well done, good and faithful servant. Along this journey, there are targets that I have. There are goals that I have, personally. Question for you is, what do you want most? Some of you guys are like, you know what? My marriage is a wreck right now. What I want most is I want to be a loving husband. I want to bring that love back in this relationship. Some of you are about to declare bankruptcy. You know what? What I want most is to be financially secure and not owe any man anything. No credit card debt. No debt. You know what I want to have most is I want to have a loving relationship with Jesus. So I want to join a study like what Keith has put on. Some of you guys are like, you know what? I'm tired of being fat. <laughs> Just being real. I'm tired of being out of shape. My blood work is a nightmare. I've... I'm, I'm there. I've been there worse. I can go back there if I get a Krispy Kreme in front of me. <laughs> but I want an exit ramp. I want 2022 to be different in my health. You guys have all flown on an airplane. You know when they say put the mask on yourself first? It's because it's important to put the mask on yourself first. Some of us think, oh, no, that's, that's not biblical. No, if you're not living well... You're not going to be able to serve anybody. So some of you are like, you know, I want to drop 20 pounds. Dave and I were talking about that yesterday at the gym. You said 20, right? 25? 25. 25. I need, I need 15. <laughs> so this year, he and I are going to lose 15, 25 pounds together, somewhere in between that. Some of you guys want to do that. I asked Ernesto to come this morning to give you an exit ramp. All right, an opportunity to talk about nutrition and exercise. Here's an exit ramp. I asked Keith to come up and talk about 
the study that he's starting. If I want to get a closer relationship with Jesus, I want an exit ramp. Some of you guys have financial peace universities at your churches. There's an exit ramp. Your church is offering financial peace university. You find out about it, you're like, sign me up. Some of your churches have a marriage study. Sign up. A marriage retreat. Sign up. What do you want most? What do you want most? And what do you need to do and choose now in order to make that happen? So let me talk about a couple of categories, and then I'm going to give the exercise to you guys. I want to be a passionate disciple of Jesus. This, these are my personal, my personal goals. Recognizing Jesus is my true north. Along the way, I want, there's some goals that I want to hit. I want to be a, known as a passionate disciple. So when I die, and there's a mic in the room, and I'm laying in the casket trying to bring the fun into funeral, Yesterday, I was showing somebody how many, how many business cards that I had you know, from all the 30 years of working. And I said, I want to scatter them all around my body so that when people identify their card, they're like, hey. And I said, put some Twizzlers at the end so it's fun, you know, so they can eat something, look for their business card. But at the end of the day, if I'm in a casket at the front of the room and there's a mic up here, I would love to hear men like Tim come up and talk about he was a passionate disciple of Jesus. That's one of my big ones. A man who loved Jesus with his whole heart and daily demonstrated love in his various mission fields, starting with my family. It meant so much for me to hear you say that, Tim, that you've done life with me for 20 years, and you've witnessed my life, and you've seen it. But that's a big one for me, personally. Another big one is I want to be physically fit because I know i got to put the mask on me first. I want to be, but again, put a Krispy Kreme in front of me, boys. I'm going to eat it up and justify that I'm going to work out tomorrow. But I want to care for the temple of the Holy Spirit through proper nutrition, exercise, and sleep so that I may better my chances of truly enjoying my third and fourth quarter of life. I mean, how many of you guys see people in their third and fourth quarter of life and they're just, they're all messed up? That's because... They have not choose discipline, and now they're, they're regretting. I wish that I would have. It's never too late while you're still here. All of us can do better in this category, starting with this guy. I want to be physically fit so that I can enjoy my third and fourth quarter of life. I want to be known as a loving husband. Again, Jesus is the true north. Along this path, I want to hit that loving husband. Here's the goal for me. A husband who loved his wife like Jesus loved the church. A man deeper in love with his bride at the 30-plus year mark than he was in the first year. That was a goal. 14 years ago, saw how Ray Holden was loving Jackie. Ray, when you're watching this, you're an inspiration to me. And I'm like, I want to be in love with my wife to be able to say, at 30 years, and here I am. Caroline, I just got back from Costa Rica. It was wonderful, baby. I want to go back. <laughs> She knows what I'm talking about. Now everybody else does too. <laughs> I want to be known as a loving husband at the 40-year mark now. What do I need to do? What do I need to choose in order to be in love with Carolyn at the 40-year mark and for her to be in love with me at the 50-year mark? I want to be known as a dedicated father. Yesterday I was preparing for the message downstairs in Oxum, and Brooke is the one that invited me to come and hang out with her. She's 24. What daughter does that? 
So I'm sitting downstairs just hanging out with Brooke having a coffee. A father who chooses a relationship over regret. A loving relationship with his daughters when they hit their 20s and beyond. I want to be financially fit, financially independent, organized, and well-planned so not to be a burden for anybody. I don't want to die and then Carolyn's like, holy crap, Andy. This guy was a planner, but you got to see our house. It's a freaking nightmare. No, 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 no. I want to be organized so that when God graduates me, my wife is like, we're good. We're good. Let's just plan the event. I'm not worried about anything else because we've got a great team. Good reputation. Again, these are categories on my way to True North and focus on True North that I want to hit. A businessman who led as a servant with high levels of integrity and competence. A man of good character and judgment. That's a goal. So what do I need to choose now in order to be able to do that? Always do the right thing for clients. What Tim said this morning about that family that he's worked with for so many years. I'm not going to embarrass this man. I'm going to execute highly and make sure the people around me execute highly so that he's never embarrassed. Ultimate true north is Jesus. And when I fail, which I will, in certain categories of life, I know that Jesus extends grace to me. I know that he extends grace to me because I will fail on this path. I will justify a degree shift. And I need men like Andy, like Jesse, like Jason, pushing me back and saying, hey, look at my life. Hear my words, my loving words. You, I've earned the right to be heard, to bring me back so that I can ultimately hit this. So for the next one minute, I want you guys to write on this sheet of paper. You thought I forgot about it. What do you want? most in 2022? What do you want most? And what do you need to choose now? Take 30 seconds. Choose your pain. Choose discipline over regret. The choices we make determine the, the person that we will become. The choices that we make today determine who I will become and what I can do in the future. When I'm weak, say it with me, he is strong. When I'm weak, he is strong. I need accountability. I need accountability. The answer is Jesus. On our own, we're prone to make wrong choices, but with the help of Jesus, he can enable us to choose what we want most over what we want now. The goal for all of us is to hear the master say what? Well done. The pain of regret is far greater than the pain of discipline. I choose discipline 
for the reward and pleasure that is received at the end. I choose the pain of discipline over the pain of regret. I choose long-term reward over short-term gains. I choose sacrifice today for success tomorrow. That's all I have for today. I, uh, Dave, you're up. Men, I, it's been an awesome year in 2021. It has been an awesome year. Uh, we have lost some really good friends this year to COVID. Sad. My wife thought that she lost me to COVID this year. Many of the Ironmen thought I was a goner. It's been an awesome year. 2022 also is going to be a great year with all kinds of unexpected things. Stay focused on True North. Line out some goals. Take what you wrote down and seriously implement it. Seriously implement it. Look for these exit paths. Ernesto is right here. If you're like, you know what, I'm ready to get in shape. I need an exit ramp. Talk to Keith. Say, hey, you know what? I'm ready to get closer to Jesus. Study of Ephesians. Man, that sounds great to me. I'm all in. Come to the, the, the gatherings that Ali is leading. So proud of these guys for stepping up. So Ernesto's right here. Keith is over there. Ali, where are you at in the back? I'll turn it over to Dave. Awesome, bro. Yeah, bro. That's cool.